Right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, want to give a big shout out to the dads. Happy Father's Day in the house. All the dads, come on, let's make some noise for the dads. Hey, man, we love each of you and honor your sacrifice to love your children and provide and be a, the head of the household, man. And uh, just want to honor my dad watching from uh, Mogador, Ohio, just out of, outside of Akron. Dad, I love you. Happy Father's Day. But hey, listen, man, I don't know if you guys caught the generation gap, but if there was any question where you are at on the age spectrum, right, you discovered it based on which questions you could answer. I know we like to fool ourselves and say, I'm not that old, but let's be honest, there are some questions for the younger guys that you couldn't answer. I dig it, though, that through today, the old guys to young guys won two to one. But I love first service. Y'all weren't here first service, but first service the younger generation, they lost, but at the end of the game, the guy came over here and jumped off the platform as if to say, but can you do that? Because there's a place and there's an age you reach when you look at jumping off of something like this, you're like, nah, I'll just take the long way around, right? I mean, I'm not risking the hospital bill. Come on. So, uh, man, it's been a great day so far. I want to encourage you, if you have not, when we're done here, go hang out in the parking lot, grab, uh, grab a hot dog, grab some of the barbecue and uh, enjoy some time with your family, man. We are so thankful to be a part of a church that's willing to pay the price to be a great church. Amen? Well, hey, listen, so it is that time of the year. When I say that time of the year, I mean, man, anywhere you go, everywhere you go, especially in the morning, you're going to see people out running, right? We see them on Route 72. We see them in our subdivisions. This is the time of the year, especially, that you see people posting like they're doing 5Ks and half marathons and full marathons, and then they have to put a sticker on the back as if we care to announce that, you know, they're runners. And it's all good, but let me just ask this question because some of you are runners. If I said this, if I said, hey, I'm going to start a running connect group, like we're going to get together a couple times and we're going to run together, how many people would be in for that kind of connect group? A couple of you. Now, let's just be clear so there's no mistake. If you ever actually hear me say the words, I'm starting a running connect group, Call the paramedics because I'm having a nervous breakdown. I'm stroking out because I'm just telling you this right here, this is built for comfort, not speed, right? I'm, I'm out on running. They say there's something in human beings, right, fight or flight. I'm going with option three, hide. Like, it takes the least amount of energy. So, but that, let me ask this question. How many of you here, so we got a handful that said they'd be in for running. How many people here, you're out? Like when you hear running, like it makes you exhausted, like you're out on running, wave at me. Look at all the hands. Isn't it crazy? So in this room, and in this, in this room, it's been this way all day, there might be a handful of people that would say the runners. But by far, the majority of people would say, I'm out on running. But the truth is, and this is where we're going to go today, is that there's a little bit of runner in each of us. Today, we're starting a brand new series entitled Bad Boys. Bad Boys, what you going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to talk about this group of characters in the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. Now, when you talk about a prophet, a prophet is somebody that God sends with his message to either a, a person or a group of people, and ultimately, the message, it's, it's a lot of times a hard message, right? God gets ticked off, God is fired up, God is upset because of things that he sees in, in the hearts and the lives of people. You know, sometimes God is sending his prophet with a message to deal with social issues, sometimes it's idolatry issues, sometimes it's morality issues. But again, God sends his prophet, sends a person with his message to talk to a certain group of people. And so when you talk about the prophets in Scripture, you, we, find, we find two categories. We find the writing and the non-writing prophets. 
The non-writing prophets, to make sense, is there's a whole list of prophets in the Old Testament. The non-writing prophets are prophets like Elijah and Elisha. They're guys that you can read their story in, in Scripture. You can see who they were. You can see what they did. But they didn't write their life. They didn't write their story. But then there are the writing prophets. It's this group of prophets who wrote very extensively either their message that they shared or their life that they lived. And in the group of the writing prophets, it goes into two other groups, right? So you got writing and non-writing and writing. You have the major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets are the guys that just wrote forever, right? There's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. They're major because it's talking about the length of the writings. Like Isaiah is over 50 chapters long. But the minor prophets, there's 12 of them in the Old Testament, and these are like one-chapter guys. These are, like, these are the cliff, like, give me, like, get to the point and give me the cliff notes. That's the minor prophets. Like Obadiah, he's one chapter. A couple of them are three and four chapters. And so for the next couple weeks in the Bad Boy series, we're going to look at four of the 12 prophets. Because even though their message and even though their life is anywhere from 26 to 2,800 years old, their message is still relevant today. That as we look at their life and as we look at their message and we compare it to us, I think all of us can walk away understanding that God has something to say to us. So today, we're going to jump into the minor prophet Jonah. Now, I thought I would start easy because probably there's many of us here, we are familiar or somewhat familiar with this guy by the name of Jonah. Because for some of us who were raised in church, when you think of Jonah, immediately you think of the story of Jonah being swallowed by a fish. And like, if you were raised in Sunday school, you got pictures of the flannel graphs of like a big fish and like the teacher saying, you know, like we got that whole picture. Now, I just want to say this because today there's a lot of people that have pushback when you hear certain things said in scripture or said in the Bible, it causes us just to disbelieve it all. And if you're here today and you have some kind of reason to disbelieve that a man could live inside of the belly of a fish, I get it. Maybe your perspective or your upbringing or your worldview would say, hey, man, that's not possible. And if that part of the story is wrong, then the whole story is wrong. And, and it's okay if you feel that way. But let me just give you a couple of things to maybe consider as we tackle the book of Jonah. First of all, Jesus taught that the story of Jonah inside of the belly of a fish literally happened. Now, I don't know what your perspective is of Jesus, but I'm always going with the guy who predicted his death, died, and raised from the dead. Like, I'm going with him. If he said it happened, like, he's got some clout. Let me give you something else to think about if you're pushing back against that story. And it's this. Do you realize that men, human beings, we have the capacity to build something called a submarine that has in itself the ability to take a whole village of people, and it can live and submerge underwater for as long as six months? So I'm just telling you, if we have the ability to build something that can take an entire village of people and take them underwater for six months, and I believe the creator of the universe can pull off building something that can take a man underwater for three days. Come on, is anybody with me? But, but if you're still here, you're watching online, and you're just like, you know, I don't know about that. Maybe that's an allegory. I'm not sure if that could happen. Don't allow your pushback to cause you to miss the principle. Because still, what happens in this story, and really the life of Jonah is something that's significant to all of us. In fact, we're going to jump right into his story. And it says this, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this, And the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Again, a prophet takes the message. Here's the message. Hey, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3, everyone here read this. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. 
Now, here's what's so great about this story. Is a lot of us in this room, if we're honest, like this is our story. Like this is the story. God gets a me- or Jonah gets a message from God. He doesn't like the message, so he runs from God. Again, that's why for a lot of us, I say that there's a runner in a little bit of all of us. That all of us in this room, we have been a Jonah at one point in our life. Like we felt like God called us to do something. We felt like God whispered something to our heart. We knew the right thing to do, and we ran the opposite direction. We do it so many times. Think about it. A lot of us in this room, we're running relationally. There are people in our life that we know don't fit, that they're pulling us down instead of pushing us ahead, and we know we need to walk away. We know we need to cut ties, but instead of doing the right thing, we keep running the wrong direction. Sometimes we run financially. There's some of you in this room, man, you're struggling to keep your head above water financially, and you're in debt, and you're overspending, and you know, man, that you need to get that in order. You, need to, you know you need to change the habits of your household. Some of you in this room financially, you know, man, God's called you to be a tither and a giver, and you know the right thing to do, but, man, you're running in the wrong direction. You're living in debt. You're not a giver. You're not a tither. Even though you know it's the right thing to do, like, you just keep running the wrong direction. Sometimes it's in business, right? We know, like, we know the right thing to do. We, we know the ethical thing to do, but we live in the gray because we want to close the deal. We want to get the business. You know, we want to make the money, so we kind of fudge, and we run in the wrong direction. All of us in this room, we at one time or another have ran. Some of you right now, you are running from God, right? Sometimes it's as simple that God wants us to invite the barista at Starbucks to church, and instead of inviting them, we run because we're runners by nature. We have a lot in common with this guy by the name of Jonah, right? So back in the story, it says this again, that the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Check out verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah. I love it because right out of the gate, it reminds us that God is a talking God. God speaks to his people. I want you to know, man, really how profound and special it is that God wants to speak to your heart and your life. And he does it a lot of different ways, man. Sometimes God will speak through his, through his word. Like, man, when you open up the Bible, God will take something that was written 2,000 years ago, and he'll speak it right to your life, and you know God's saying something to you. Sometimes God will speak, man, just through a whisper, just through that still, small voice in our life. We're getting ready to make a decision, or we're getting ready to do something, and, man, God just comes and speaks to us. Or my favorite thing is, and some of you, y'all can relate to this, even though I'm the preacher on the platform today, I've been where you are, right? Have you ever sat in church and, man, what's being said to you, it sounds like the pastor was hiding in the backseat of your car all week or hiding in your closet. Like, how does he know that, man? Again, it's just God speaking to you. Sometimes God will speak to us through friends. Like, even though it's coming from a friend, like what they're saying is so convicting and so clear. We know, man, that God's behind what our friends tell us. So, man, I love it that God is still a speaking God. But what do we do with the message? Sometimes we relent and sometimes we run. Sometimes we give in and sometimes we give up. Sometimes we run the direction God wants us to run. And sometimes, like Jonah, we run the totally opposite direction. I mean, think about it, man. It's crazy. But here's what I want you to know out of the gate. And this is what we're going to cover today when you think about the life of Jonah. And it's that obedience and disobedience each costs us something. I guess it's going to cost whatever direction you run, you're going to pay a price. Whatever direction you go. And a lot of us, man, we think, man, I, I can't do that. I won't do that. It's going to cost me too much. I don't want to sacrifice that relationship. If I do, if I do business the right way, it's going to cost me money. And I just want you to know, if you choose to follow God's path, if you choose to go the direction God has for you, it's going to cost you something. Jesus talked a lot about the cost of being his disciple. But here's the funny thing, right? 
It doesn't just cost you to be obedient. It costs you to be disobedient. It costs you to run away from God. There's a friend of mine. He's been here in, at our church in the past and spoke uh, about six, seven months ago on a first Wednesday. His name's C.J. Johnson. Pastor C.J. and I are really good friends in ministry, talk all the time. I just got to spend a few days with him in Atlanta. And C.J., he has been a portable church for a number of years. Just this year, they were able to get into a building. He took me and kind of was, kept me posted on the process of getting into this property and they reached the place where they needed to transition. They were moving out of the portable facility. They needed this building, but they were short a significant portion of money. And the bank would not loan them the money they need to purchase the property unless they had a significant down payment. So he knew he was short. He called me. We were praying. Well, he gets a phone call out of the blue. Pastor CJ gets a phone call from this guy he's never met before, never talked to before. And this guy on the phone proceeds to tell Pastor CJ, hey, I've been watching Southland City Church. That's the name of his church in Minneapolis. Listen, my family and I, we've been watching every week online for several years. We feel like Southland City is our church. And I just want you to know, man, for three days in a row, God's woke me up and told me to contact you that I want to be a part of what God's doing in Southland City to help you get this building. So he wanted to know, would you be willing to meet me? So CJ agreed. He drove about an hour. The other guy drove about an hour. They met, sat down for coffee. He, Pastor CJ told me when this guy showed up, he was looking out the window. This guy rolled up in this old beat-up truck, got out in overalls, looked like, I mean, he didn't have much, and he came and sat down and just shared the story of what God had done in his life through the ministry of Southland. And he said, man, here's the story. I want you to know, man, God's been waking me up for three days. I'm, I'm glad I got a hold of you. The message that God had for me is God wants me to give a million dollars a million dollars to help you secure this building. Pastor CJ thought, this guy ain't got a million dollars. But they went literally right to the bank, and it was a long process. It's actually kind of a big deal to move a million dollars from one account to another. But he gave a million dollars because God told him to. Come on, somebody. Now, here's, here's the part. Some of you are sitting there thinking, wait a minute. So you're telling me if I serve God, he might tell me to write a million-dollar check? Yes. And here's the problem with the way we think is we only look at what it'll cost to be obedient and we don't look at the cost of disobedience. Like, I'm just telling you, listen, as, as a husband, I know that sometimes my wife will want something for our house or her life showing. And like, all I see is, if I buy it, all I see is the price tag. Come on, any husbands with me? What we need to see is not what it's gonna cost to buy it. We need to see what it's gonna cost to not buy it. Come on, somebody. There's a price for obedience and there's a price for disobedience. There's a price for doing it God's way and there's a price for not doing it God's way. I just want you to know as your pastor, I'm proud to be a part of a church that's willing to pay the price of obedience. People who are willing to serve and give and sacrifice to reach people who are far from God and have a life-giving church. I'm thankful to be a part of something that God is doing and a part of a crowd of people who are willing to pay the price. Come on, somebody. So here's the question. Which direction are you running? In the area of your life that God's whispering to you, that he's talking to you, that he's challenging you, what direction are you going? Jonah 1.3 says this. Jonah got up. He heard this message. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Like he ran. Now, the, the story is that geographically, God called him to go to this city called Nineveh. Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes the opposite direction, and he goes to this city called Tarshish. Now, I would guess probably many of you are not up on your ancient Middle Eastern ge geography, so let me help you with that distance. It would be as if God spoke to somebody in Florence, Alabama, and said, I want you to go to Savannah, Georgia, and instead of going to Savannah, Georgia, you go to Seattle, Washington. That's the distance. 
Instead of going 500 miles in the right direction, he went 2,500 miles in the wrong direction, which reminds me how often, how much people will invest to do the wrong thing. And so, man, he runs from God the wrong direction. And you got to ask the question, why did he run? Why do you run from God? When you feel God calling you to do something, when you feel God challenging you to make a decision, why is it we're runners? Why do we run from God? Why do we run from his plan? Why do we run from his purpose? If you're taking notes, I think there's a couple reasons. Here's one right here. I think Jonah thinks God's got the wrong guy. Have you ever felt like, you know, not me. Somebody else can do it, but not me. Someone else can do that, but not me. Someone else can be a part of that, but not me. Like, that's, that's not who I am. I, I don't fit the bill. I'm not that kind of person. God sends a message to Jonah, hey, I want you to go and preach. I want you to go and take my message. And Jonah's like, God, you got the wrong person. Here's why I think that. You know Jonah, you know what his name means? His name, it comes from a word where they got the word dove, but that's not what Jonah means. Jonah means destroyer. Like maybe he grew up like his dad saying like, oh, every time you touch something, you break it. And a guy, that, a kid that raises up with a conscience that he breaks everything he touches, he probably thought, like, I'm the last guy that God could ever use. And maybe you're here, you got a complex, and maybe you've, like, everything you've touched, like, you've been in marriages and they fall apart, or you've been a part of careers and, like, you're always getting laid off or fired, and, like, you don't know how to put it together. You've got plans, and you just can't ever execute them. And now God's got something for you to do, and you're like, God, you've made a mistake. I'm the last person that can do this. And maybe you're talking yourself out of going the direction God has for you because you don't think you has what, have what it takes. But I want you to know something about the God we're talking about today. God says it this way. God says he chooses foolish things to confound wise people. That when, God looks, when people look at God's choice, they're going to say, does God know what he's doing? Listen, you may not have what it takes, but the God on the inside of you has what it takes. If God calls you, he'll equip you. If God sends you, he'll prepare you. He'll give you all the wisdom, strength, dreams. He'll give you the inspiration. He'll give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. God never makes the wrong choice. He always calls the right person. Come on, somebody. And he's looking at it saying, and I've been there. Listen, I, I hope as your pastor truly that my life is an inspiration for this reason. Because I'm the last person that should be on this platform. If you knew who I was and how I was raised and choices I made, I would be disqualified from standing on this platform. But God didn't choose me or call me based on who I was. God called me and chose me based on who he is. And today I still see people 25 years after high school and 30 years after high school and college who look at me and when they hear what I'm doing today, like they're like, really? God picked you? I don't know why I'm talking so high. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yes, because it's not about me. It's about God. And if God can choose me, God can choose you. If God can send me, God can send you. Like, listen, God can pick anybody because it's not about who we are. It's about who he is. Don't disqualify yourself from God's call on your life. You can do it. You can make the hard call. You can make the difficult decision. If you'll do it God's way, God will make a way for it to work out. Maybe he didn't, make the, maybe he didn't run because he didn't agree with like, God's choice of the wrong guy. Maybe Jonah thinks God made the wrong call. Wait a minute, God, you want me to go where? No, I'm not going, I'm not going there. How many people got like, a, like, God, I'll go here, just not there. I'll do this but not that. Let me tell you about Nineveh. Here's, this, here's the idea. God is sending Jonah as a prophet to this city called Nineveh. Let me tell you about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of what was known at that time as the political and military might of a nation called the Assyrians. The Assyrians were bad to the bone. 
What they were known for mostly was their torture and how horrible they treated the people they were at war with. They were known for things like this. The Assyrian army were known for things like this. They were known for how well they could, how easy they could skin someone alive and how long they could keep them alive in order for them to suffer the longest. That was their hallmark. They were known for, uh, for, for burying um, people up to their neck and either letting animals or insects eat the face of those they fought against. Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, was known archaeologically this, that they found walls of six to ten foot high made out of skulls of people they cut off their head, polished the skull, and built a wall with their enemy. And Jonah knows this. Do you know why Jonah knows it? Jonah knows it not just because he's a contemporary in time, but they themselves, the nation of Israel, were in constant conflict with Assyria. The nation of Israel, which Jonah was a part of, he was a victim. His family was a victim. People he knew was a victim of some of these crimes. And God, he's, he's saying, God, you're sending me to them? God, if I go tell them you love them, they're going to say they're sorry. They're going to repent. You're going to forgive them. And I don't want them to be forgiven. I want them to be judged. And so, God, you got the wrong person. You got the wrong, like, I'm not going to do it. I don't agree with what you're calling me to. I don't like what you're calling me to. But you know what? Listen, I want you to hear this. God doesn't always ask us to do things we like. Sometimes God will ask you to do something, and you don't see the purpose in it. You don't see the value in it. You don't agree with it. The word Nineveh, the name Nineveh means handsome. How could something so destructive be handsome? Because God has the ability to see the good in something when we can't see it. And so God tells Jonah, hey, I want you to go and I want you to preach to Nineveh. I want you to go, man. And I, I want you to see, because again, because what God calls us to, he's got the capacity to see the good sometimes we can't see. Sometimes we think, God, if I let go of this relationship, I'm going to be alone. God, if I don't do business kind of in the gray, like I'll never, I'll never make it. I'll never survive. God, if I give, if I'm the tither like I, I hear I'm supposed to be, God, like I won't be able to pay my bills. And like we see all the reasons we can't, why God's got the call wrong. One of the favorite things that really I have to do is, is when I get the opportunity to do premarital counseling with couples. And the reason I enjoy it, my schedule is busy, but one of the reasons I enjoy it is our church grows, there's more people here, there's less of an opportunity for me to get to know people. And so when I do premarital counseling, I get five or six sessions with a couple where I can hang out with them and I get to know them on a personal level that when we're done, like I know this couple. And when I see them, I celebrate their, their journey in life together. But it's funny because the first session together, I always talk about what counseling looks like and I give them five rules. And I tell them these five rules are non-negotiable. If you want me to do your counseling, you got to keep these five rules. And then I give them the five. One of the rules are you have to tell the truth. That's tougher than you think. So I'm like, so what gets on your nerves about her? He's like, um, too late. You agreed to tell the truth, brother. So I give him five rules. Here's the last rule I give every couple, and I love the response. Last rule is this. Listen, I know we live in a culture of society that, man, people are sleeping together, and they've just accepted that. But if I'm going to do your counseling, you're making an agreement that you believe that sex should be saved for the intimacy of marriage that's between one man and one woman in the context of marriage for life, which means that from this point forward, you will not have sex until the day you're married. Do you agree? And you tell people like, uh, how long do we have to think about it? Which what they're saying is, can we get a quickie and call you? So I'm like, no, you got to decide right now. Now, I'm not there to babysit them, and that's up to them whether they keep that decision. But it's funny because I believe, man, if they'll reserve the intimacy and beauty of sex for the time they're saved rather than wasting it in the dating stage, they will appreciate making the hard call. 
It's always going to cost you something to do the right thing, and it's always going to cost you something to do the wrong thing. You just have to decide what price you're willing to pay. But here's what you need to know. The price is always higher to run. Listen, I've been around long enough. I've counseled people enough. I've been a pastor long enough. I have seen that it always costs more to run. It just does. In fact, if you watch the story, so right, so Jonah, he goes and he gets on this boat and he's trying to go to Tarshish. He's trying to run from God. He's going the opposite direction of what God wants for him. And he gets on this boat and here's what happens. Jonah chapter one, verse four. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw, come on, read this, and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. See, we're not the only one that pays the price for running. You know why it costs more to run? Because it hurts people when you run. See, God's setting you up. What God's called you for isn't just for your good. It's for the good of people around you. And we have to think of our life, man, like that pebble in the pond, that it ripples out and it influences people around us. And all of us in this room, think about the stories you know and think about the stories I know. Like we all know people that are living the consequences of their wrong choices. Like some of us in this room, we had an alcoholic dad. He was an alcoholic, but it didn't just impact him, man. It impacted his family and it impacted his home. Maybe some of you in this room, like you're wrestling with addiction personally and your choice to run from God. It's not just impacting you. It's impacting your friends and it's impacting your marriage. You talk about marriage, divorce, and, and I'm not saying this to shame anybody who's had a divorce, but I'm just telling you, divorce doesn't happen in a vacuum. Families that go through divorce, it impacts kids and it impacts family members and it impacts other relationships. Like there are always consequences to our choice. And when you run the wrong direction, when you don't do what God's called us to do, when we run from God, I'm just telling you, listen, the reason it's always costs more to run is because it always costs people around us. Notice this, man, these guys didn't do anything wrong. But because Jonah ends up on their boat, they're caused to throw their valuables overboard. What is your running costing? Not just you, but what's it costing those around you? What is it costing people in your circle, people in your workplace, people in your family? What is it costing them because you're running the wrong way? So we know the story, right? They're sitting in this boat and man, it's, it's, it, it's about to be torn apart. And these guys are trying to find out what the, what's the problem like. They figure out something's behind the storm. It's not a normal storm. So they find Jonah who's asleep in the boat and they start having a conversation. And notice what Jonah says. I love this. Jonah says, verse nine, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. At this point, which he wished he would have stayed on, right? <laughs> notice what he says. He says, I'm a worshiper. Everybody say, I'm a worshiper. What's that mean? Like being a worshiper doesn't mean showing up Sunday morning and sitting through a one-hour service. Being a worshiper is a lifestyle. And I'm just telling you, to understand if you're a worshiper or not, don't listen to your confession. Look at your compass. Look at which direction you're going. Because if you're running from God instead of to God, if you're going the wrong direction instead of the right direction, it's really hard for you to claim to be a worshiper. Because here's what I know about the heart of people is that worshipers run towards the thing they worship. Come on, somebody. If you like money, you run towards how to make money. If you like boating, you run to boating. Whatever it is you love, you, lo you run towards the thing you love, not away from the things you, run, you love. And here's Jonah, man. He's on the run, but he's not running towards God. He's running away from God. And he's like, but I'm a worshiper. And then verse 17, I love this, right? We know the story. 
Finally, they take uh, Jonah and they throw him overboard. Picture this in your mind. Like there's a storm. They take Jonah. They throw him overboard. And here's where the story gets really good. And this fish comes up and like swallows Jonah. At this point, everybody's looking around like, did anybody get that on video? Because that's going on Instagram. That's going somewhere. Here's the way the story says it in verse 17. It says, now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Some translations say prepared. I want you to think about this for a second because you can scan through this verse really quick, blow by it and miss it. The Bible says God prepared a great fish for Jonah. What's that mean? Here's what I believe it means. Think about what happens to the majority of little guppy fish that are born in the ocean. What happens to most of them? They get eaten. But you know what God did? God prepared because he knew Jonah would get a call and he knew Jonah would run and he knew Jonah would end up on that boat. So God said, I got to put a plan together ahead of his decision to, to intersect with where he's at. And so God not only caused the fish to be born, God protected that fish so it could go from a small fish to a medium fish to a big fish. God not just prepared the fish and protected the fish, God made sure that fish was in the right place at the right time. When Jonah was thrown overboard, he would be there to eat him, which means you might be in a situation that looks bad, but really it's God's mercy protecting you because he knew you would run from him, so he intersected your life to meet you where you are so he could get a hold of your life to put you back on the path you need to be on. I love it. God prepared. God put in place, God protected this fish to meet Jonah where he was. Jonah chapter two, verse one, it says, and then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from inside the fish. I bet he did. Listen, you may not be a praying person, but if you find yourself in the belly of a fish, you'll pray in tongues, you'll fast, you'll read your Bible. Like he starts praying for sure. Here's his prayer. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called you from the land of the dead. And the Lord, you heard me. Like he's looking around and think about it. He's like, man, I've, I've ran too far. Like it's over. I messed up too big. And he describes his circumstances like being in the land of the dead. And maybe you feel like that's where you are. Like, man, you, you said no too long. And maybe you're, maybe you're a godly person. Maybe you're a Christ follower in other areas. But there's an area of your life or your whole life where you've ran too far. You've ran too long. You said no too long. You're like, man, it's, it's too late for me. I want you to know as long as there is breath in your lungs, it's not too late. As long as you whisper a prayer, God can still hear you and God can still answer you and God can still save you and God can still rescue you. It is never too late as long as you got breath in your lungs. And Jonah, man, he feels like it's too late. And then verse 7 and verse 9 says it this way. As my life was slipping away, I remember the Lord, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Let me just tell you something today. For everyone in this room, I got great news. No matter where you're at, God is big enough to save you. He's big enough to rescue you. He's big enough to deliver you. No matter how far you've run, he can reach out and pull you back. If you will surrender your heart, God can meet you where you are. God can rescue you from where you're headed. God can change any life, any heart, any situation, any set of circumstances. We serve a God who is big enough to save. Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, which means if you're willing to cry out in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your run, God will hear you and God will answer you. And that's exactly what happens. Verse 10, watch this. I love it. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. There's a picture for you. You may not like it, but baby, if I got a choice, I'd rather be whale vomit than whale feces. There's only two ways out of the whale. Only two. Think about this, man. He has been inside of the belly of this whale 
for three days. What do you think he smelled like? He is literally, check this out, he is literally a, pi- a part of a pile of vomit on the beach. Y'all been on the beach and seen like circles of stuff swirling? You're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm not getting in it. He's a part of it. He's a pile of whale vomit. But listen, I got to believe in that moment, he felt so relieved inside. Because he might have been a mess, but his heart was right. He had a clean conscience. He had a clean heart. He had a new beginning. And I just know this, man, that sometimes serving God, when you decide to get on the right path and turn the right direction, it doesn't mean in the moment God just fixes everything. But as long as your heart is right, that's what matters most, that God starts on the inside and works to the outside, which means salvation isn't always going to get us out of the mess. It just gets the mess out of us. I'm just telling you, God can start by getting the mess out of you. And so he stands up, and one of the greatest verses in Scripture is this right here, and we'll close. And then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. See, when you've gone through all that, you're ready to hear from God. Really, this is a testament of God's mercy. God could have said, you know what, I'm done with you. I'll find somebody else. I'll use somebody else. I'll call somebody else. But I want you to know, maybe you've given up on yourself. God's never given up on you. And you might have been a runner, but God is waiting for you to call out to him. Do you know the word repent? The word repent literally means to change directions. Jonah repented. God, I'm running the wrong direction in my finances. I'm running the wrong direction in my relationships. I'm running the wrong direction in my call. I'm running the wrong direction in my choices. I'm running the wrong direction. But God, I want to go the right way. I want to go where you're calling me because I trust your choice. You've never gone too far that God can't reach you. It's not about the quality or the quantity of your sins. It's about the quality of God's grace. The apostle Paul said it this way, where my sin abounded, God's grace abounded even more, which means no matter how big you've messed up, God is bigger. No matter how many times you've messed up, God's grace always outweighs our struggle in our sin. God is bigger. Man, one of the things I love, got a great staff, so many good people on our team here. Pastor Ryan, if you know Pastor Ryan, he's one of his gifts is just encouragement. He is just an encouragement. If you hang out with Pastor Ryan, you will feel better about your life. True. And uh, he's a great golfer. I am not a great golfer, but I'll golf with him sometimes. And here's, if you're a golfer, you know this. When you're up and you're ready to tee and people are behind, like you feel this pressure, like you got to hurry up and tee off. And people are like, I don't hit well anyways. People watching me make, makes me hit worse. And if I feel rushed, I hit it even worse, which then I feel even worse for the next hole when they're watching me again. But I love Pastor Ryan because he's like this. Pastor Ryan's like, Pastor Steve, don't even worry about them. I hit a bad shot. He's like, go ahead and hit another one. Don't worry about them. Go ahead and hit another one, Pastor. And I love it, man. Because it's really like God. God loves giving mulligans. God loves giving second chances. He loves it. Because that's the heart of our Father. He's gracious. And so if you've been a runner, today's a great day to turn around. Today's a great day to stop running from God and start running to God. To embrace that, man, God's called you to something. You may not understand it. You may not like it. But I promise you, It'll always cost you less to do the right thing. And so, Father, come in the name of Jesus. I thank you. I pray that, God, you'll speak to every heart. 
in this room with such clarity that, God, you'll pull out and you'll point out, God, the runner in all of us. And, Father, where we're running, I pray that, God, we'll get so tired of running that, Father, we'll be like Jonah. And we'll look around at circumstances and we'll look around at our life and say, today's the day to stop running. So I want you to know where you are all across this room. If you'll ask God, he'll meet you. If you'll call out to him, he'll answer you. And he'll help you get on the right path, headed the right direction. And while it might cost you something, there will be a day that you'll be glad that you paid the price. And as we close today, I just want to say this to everyone in this room. Listen, I want you to know if you're here for the first time, you're at church for the first time, you've been here a lot of times, but you've never made the decision to even follow God at all. That decision comes because the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all ran the wrong direction. Our life is going the wrong direction. But God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sin. And if we'll say yes to his grace and yes to his forgiveness, the Bible says in that moment we're forgiven and we become children of God. So if you've never said yes to God's grace, if you never said, God, forgive me, you're missing the greatest gift God can give. And so if you're here, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to God's grace in your life, to say yes to becoming a Christ follower. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and if you want included, you can pray right behind me, or you can pray with your own words. And I just want you to know, if you're sincere in your heart, to put your trust in Christ and to ask him to forgive you, he will. And so I'm going to pray, again, if this is you, you say, Pastor Steve, man, I want to give my life to Christ. You can follow me in this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me so much that you came to this earth and you died on the cross of Calvary to make a way for me to be forgiven. I repent of my sins. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for running the wrong way. And help me from this day forward to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week two of Bad Boys.